0: Good morning, and happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Let's have all the moms stand. All the moms stand. Stay stay, stay on your feet. Stay on your feet, moms. I'm sorry, Mary. I'm sorry this is, I'm just really putting you out here this morning. Um, we We want to acknowledge and recognize and honor moms, but I think we want to pray for our moms, too. And so those of you who have moms here, if you want to pray for them, but if uh, uh, your mom is somewhere else and you want to think about your mom and you want to pray for her, uh, let's do that too. So let me just lead us in a brief prayer as we begin this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we do pray a prayer of thanksgiving for our mothers. We're grateful, Lord God, for the mothers that you've put in our lives. Father, we uh, thank you that they gave us life. And Father, in this day and age, we don't take that choice lightly either. We're, we're grateful that they made the choice to give us life. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to find a godly way, a realistic way to honor our mothers, regardless of what age we are, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would help us to honor them and thank them and bless them because of the role that they have in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, moms, and bless you on this Mother's Day. Proverbs 6.20 says, My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. You know, i got to tell you that Mother's Day is probably the toughest day of the year to preach. I could think of almost any other special day of the year that I'd rather preach than preach on Mother's Day. That's primarily because it seems that Mother's Day is an absolute minefield of emotions for so many people in any given church. For example, there's the reality that some of us did not have mothers who were godly. And so that makes any admonition to honor our mothers or even remember or think about our mothers a real challenge. Some of us had, or maybe even still have, painful relationships with our mothers. So thinking of them and honoring them on this day is tough. Some of you are mothers and maybe your kids aren't walking with the Lord or you're estranged from them for whatever reason, one reason or another, and that causes a special kind of grief on Mother's Day. Some want to be mothers, but aren't or can't be, leading to another kind of grief. Some of us had great mothers, but they're gone to be with the Lord, and the reality is we just miss them. Of course, some of us have wonderful mothers and still have a great relationship with our mothers, but you can see that with all these potential realities in our auditorium here this morning, it presents a very real challenge to any preacher who wants to focus on the theme of Mother's Day for the sermon. Besides, how many ways can you say honor your mother? I've done that on Mother's Day, and I'll do that to some degree again today. I've also, on past Mother's Day, taken the approach that Mother's Day is a good day to reflect on the issues of life in our culture. After all, the first mother, Eve, has a name that means life. One thing we all have in common regardless of where you might fit into the minefield that I described a moment ago, is that we all have mothers. Our mothers gave us life. Whether they turned out to be great mothers or terrible moms or something in between, the Bible is clear that we are to honor our mothers, as the passage of Scripture um, relates to. We just read a moment ago. So what do we do with all this on Mother's Day? Well, I think, first of all, we recognize the realities of these situations, and then we take the plunge and we kind of tiptoe through that minefield and hope that we don't step on something that explodes. But I think, more importantly, we look to the Word of God. That's the safe place to be this morning. It's interesting to consider this passage of Scripture we read just at the beginning from Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. Let me read it again. I'll read the whole passage. I only have part of it on the screen here. My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. For the sake of this morning's message, we're going to look at the do not forsake your mother's teaching part. Some of our most memorable moments in life are captured in things that our mothers said to us. Some of them are quite poignant. Some of them are profound. Some seem wise and some are actually funny. A little quick research Will produce dozens of what some people call momisms. Every mom has a favorite quote and a special tone to scold or teach a lesson to their recalcitrant kids. We might hate this momism as a kid, but we all so much miss them when we grow up. This harsh sounding and yet so sweet advice from mothers is what makes our childhood so special. These motherly sayings go a long way in building us strong and making us a better person. Though we sometimes laugh about our moms for their statements, ironically, we all use the same momism that we received from our mothers on our own kids. Here's a list of some of the most common and popular momisms. Let me read these and see if you can uh, have these echo in your memory from your own childhood, or maybe you're still enough in your childhood and you're still hearing these things. Always wear clean underwear in case you get in an accident. We've heard that, right? Answer me when I ask you a question. Are you going out dressed like that? Are your hands broken? Pick it up yourself. I'm not your maid or slave or servant or substitute another word. As long as you live under my roof, you'll do as I say. Beds are not made for jumping on. your eyes or they'll freeze that way. Okay, let's uh, work on the uh, technology here for a moment. This is what happens when batteries go out, when good batteries die. (laughs) Sounds like a horror movie, doesn't it? Let's try again where were we did I tell you don't pick that scab it'll be get infected yeah I told you that one and how about this one don't talk with your mouth full don't cross your eyes or they'll freeze that way don't ever let me catch you doing that again don't make me come in there or back there or up there as the case may be don't put that in your mouth you don't know where it's been Shut the door, I'm not heating or air conditioning the entire neighborhood. huh? And how about this one, one of my favorites? Look at this room, it looks like a pigsty. Did you ever wonder what that might look like? Here's a visual image that we can never forget. What part of no don't you understand? And how about this one? You will always be my baby. I've said that as a dad to both my girls. Now it seems to me that there's some truth in many of these things, some common sense too. But I got to thinking: Are there some momisms that are like proverbs, truths that are borne out in some way in passages of Scripture? Well, you know what? I think there are, and we're going to explore a handful of these this morning. I also thought that in describing an aspect of His grace or His mercy, God Himself has compared Himself. With qualities that we would most readily associate with mothers. Perhaps the best example of this is found in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 13, where God, speaking of himself, has says, as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. Most of us can relate to a mother's comfort. Sometimes when things are difficult, you just need your mom. There's no substitute. Even among others in whose love you may be absolutely comfortable. Even as adults sometimes, we need to just talk to mom, or in some cases, maybe a mother figure in our lives. And that brings me to a sort of related sidebar here. Let me brag for a moment on our church secretary. She's not here this morning because she's doing the motherly thing with one of her daughters. I also want to brag on some of the young women in our church. Debbie seems to be a mother figure to so many people. Even to some who have great moms. I happen to know that she meets regularly with some of the adult young women in our church who were smart enough to see the grace and wisdom of God in this woman and know that it was in their best spiritual interest to draw from this well. What a tremendous resource we have in this church! We have so many godly men and godly women. Debbie's just an example, she's just the example I'm using here this morning. Let me encourage you, take advantage of these resources, these people that God's put in your life, because God may use these mother or father figures in your life, even if your own parents are great. So back to Isaiah, where we actually find God drawing a comparison between a mother's comfort and his comfort. So while that doesn't mean that a mother's comfort is equal to what God can do, after all, He's also described in Scripture as the God of all comfort. But a mother's comfort is something that at least most of us can understand, something we can relate to. And God presents this as an illustration of his comfort. Perhaps we often find that God's agent of his comfort is a mother. So while God is clearly our Heavenly Father, don't hear me say this morning that he's our Heavenly Mother, it's also clear that there are things about mothers, there are the things that they say and they do, that sometimes, in some ways, do in fact reflect God the Father. With that in mind, I want to look at some of the things that mothers have been known to say, some more momisms that we didn't read a moment ago. Maybe these are things that we should pay attention to a little more seriously rather than dismiss. And let's consider the possibility. When the mom said these things, that mom was right. How about this one for starters? Money does not grow on trees. We've all said that or heard that at one time or another. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth. One of the jobs of parents is to teach children stewardship, the value of money and possessions and the source of those things. A couple other passages of Scripture relate to this. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And then the words of Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So the statement, the momism, money doesn't grow on trees, could be considered a memorable way of telling us that having money takes hard work. Having money is the Lord's provision. Having money is a responsibility before God. Having money shouldn't be something that owns us or controls us. God is our provider, and we can learn contentment in material things. Of course, all those things are not contained in that simple momism. However, at least some of that is implicit in that statement, don't you think? How about the famous, if I talk to my mother like you talk to me, dot, dot, dot. This is usually said when the child either raises a voice at a parent or says something disrespectful or even maybe something hateful. Maybe the child even has a potty mouth. I think there are some biblical admonitions we could find supporting this momism being a vernacular way of communicating important spiritual truth. For example, Proverbs 20.20 says, If a man curses his father or mother, his lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. Exodus 21.17 says, He who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Leviticus 20, verse 9. If anyone curses his father or mother, he must be put to death. He has cursed his mother or his father, and his blood will be on his own head. Now, you know what? In our culture, at first blush, that sounds pretty harsh, pretty over the top, doesn't it? Very difficult for us to relate to this. In our culture, sassing your parents might get nothing, possibly. If you give them an attitude of disrespect, maybe maybe you'll get grounded. It might cause you to lose some privileges. Depending on how old you are, it might even get you a spanking. But in America, it's quite unlikely to get you snuffed out or put to death. However, though I'm not advocating this, okay, and I don't think anybody here would condone that, these passages do let us know how seriously God takes the admonition to honor your mother. While the prescribed punishment may have changed, what hasn't changed is how God views this. Cursing your mother or your father certainly isn't honoring them. And the consequences were severe. Now here's another momism that, believe it or not, I found a scripture that relates to the previous one. I think it relates the two together. We just looked at the momism, if I talk to my mother like you talk to me, how about this one? Be careful or put your eye out. We've heard that one, right? We usually hear that related to a dangerous activity or toy. As in, you, you'll you shoot your eye out with that BB gun. Or run with that stick and you might put your eye out. Now, how are these two related? Well, let me read this from Proverbs and we'll see. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks a father, that scorns obedience to a mother, will be pecked out by the ravens of the valley and will be eaten by vultures. Huh? How about that? So next time, moms, or maybe even dads, you can combine the two maybe, perhaps sounding something like this, if I talk to my mother like you're talking to me, well, you'd better be careful or you'll put your eye out. And then read Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17 to enhance the momism just a little bit. Now, I make light of this on the one hand because, you know what, you can truly find justification for almost anything or any idea in Scripture, and that's kind of what I just did. Yet again, this proverb reinforces something important it reinforces the strength of the biblical admonitions we have to honor, obey, and respect our parents. We've seen before, this may look a little bit different as we get older, but that command is never rescinded by age. We're to honor our mothers, we're to honor each other, we're to honor God, not primarily because of what they've accomplished, what they've achieved, what they've excelled at, We're to honor them because of the position they hold. We're to honor our mothers just because they're our mothers, because of what and who they are. This is where we can relate these other momisms to another one. Because I'm your mother, that's why. We said that. I'm your mother, that's why. They want reasons. Why, why? I'm your mother, that's why. Deuteronomy 5.16, honor your mother and your father your father and your mother, as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with you on the land which the Lord your God gives you. Now, again, as we noticed at the outset, this is where it gets a little bit difficult because I realize that while many, maybe even most of us here this morning, can find wonderful things to say about our mother's character and achievements as it directly relates to us. In other words, our mothers did this for us, our mothers did that for us. As we've already noted, some of us didn't have or don't have very good mothers. But when the word of God says to honor our mothers, the command has very little to do with anything other than position. Whenever a child trusts in God and obeys his word, he honors his parents. Let me say that again. Whenever a child trusts in God or obeys his word, he honors, he or she honors their parents. Even an unbelieving parent is honored by a believing and obedient child. But what if a person has parents who are hardly worthy of honor? Can't we all think of children we know whose parents seem to have done their absolute best to ruin the lives of those children? Children who have been physically, maybe emotionally, maybe even sexually abused and have to deal with those effects for the rest of their entire life. How can such children honor their parents? But when we honor our parents, we acknowledge that they have been ordained of God to be our parents and to receive our honor. Honoring parents who are not worthy of honor can only be done when we recognize that God has appointed them to be our parents. They are honored for their God-given position of parent, not their performance as a parent, because biblical honor is largely positional. So obedience when we're young, is to our benefit, and it's the key way that we can honor our mothers. But as young adults, that changes at some point after you leave home. Then we honor our parents by appreciating what they've contributed to our lives. Now, as mature adults, we honor our parents by caring for their needs. And we see many of us in that position in our auditorium here today. That may include everything from caring for their physical needs because they're growing more frail to caring for their financial needs So honoring parents takes different forms for different people in different circumstances. But the bottom line is that the commandment to honor our mothers never changes. It never changes. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. It just might look different. Here's another momism with biblical truth behind it. What if everyone jumped off a cliff? Would you too? And the related momism... I don't care what everyone is doing. I care what you are doing. Huh? Isaiah 3.12 says, Those who guide you lead you astray and confuse the direction of your paths. Maybe your path over a cliff. Exodus 34.16, And when you choose some of their daughters as wives for your sons, and those daughters prostitute themselves to their gods, they will lead your sons to do the same. 1 John 2.26, I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. 1 John 3, 7, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. Getting a theme here? Romans 12, 2, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into the new person by changing the way you think. We're talking about influence here, aren't we? That's what we're talking about. When moms say things like this, they're pointing out to us that there are influences in our lives and not all of them are good. They're asking us to consider whether these influences will lead us away from God or if they'll lead us to a wholehearted devotion to the Lord. They're teaching us to take responsibility for our own choices and not just follow the crowd. Amen? And then we have this one. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. There's a lot of scripture to back that up. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as, also, or as you also are doing. In Matthew 12.36, it says, But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. That's, a, that's one of the scariest scriptures, I think, in the word of God. James 1.19, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry. In Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. This momism is telling us that words matter, especially in our relationships with one another. This momism is admonishing us to encourage one another and to exhibit the grace of God to one another as we speak our next mom is this one if you fall out of that tree and break your leg don't come running to me (laughs) now this one may seem to exhibit just a little bit of a lack of compassion I mean you know what if you really did fall out of that tree and break your leg first of all you couldn't come running to her because you just (laughs) broke your leg Secondly, mom, she's going to have compassion on you. You know that is. But what it's really saying, what this momism is really saying is that choices have consequences. And most of the time, we have been warned of those consequences. I think that's what that momism is saying. We see this idea spoken of in the word of God as well. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 8, He who sows wickedness reaps trouble, and the rod of his fury will be destroyed. In Proverbs 1, They will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. So we can see again there's biblical truth behind this momism, huh? How about another one? If I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. Huh? We're a forgetful people. And moms, I think, are sometimes among the first to notice that, aren't they? Scripture often notes that we need reminders. We need reminders. 2 Peter 1.13 and verse 15. 13 says, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. In verse 15, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. If I told you once, I told you a thousand times, and I'm going to tell you after I'm gone. Romans 15, 15, even so, I have been bold enough to write about some of these points knowing that all you need is this reminder. The last momism I'd like to look at this morning is this one. This hurts me more than it hurts you have you heard that have you said that now kids don't know how true that is but moms and dads know in a way that kids can't know and are tired of hearing us parents tell them you'll understand that when you become a parent but it's true isn't it moms and dads isn't it true it's easier emotionally to suffer yourself than to watch the children you love more than your own life suffer. We've all been there in one way or another, when our kids suffer physically, when they suffer emotionally, when they suffer because of some of the choices that they make. One of the greatest lessons that we as parents can learn when our children hurt is in getting a glimpse of just how God feels. How he feels when we hurt for any reason but also how he feels, especially when we reject his love and his grace. Now, we have to be careful here when we're talking about God's feelings because we can't draw an exact parallel between God's feelings and ours. For example, our feelings change. Our feelings come and go, and they're impacted by circumstances. But the scripture says that God does not change. Our feelings and emotions are often the result of our fallen imperfection. But God is perfect. God is holy. So we have to be careful that we do not assign to God the same exact emotional life that we have. Nevertheless, it is clear that though God feels in a way that we can't entirely wrap our minds around and understand, the language of Scripture Helps us relate to this with words we can understand. In Psalm 78:40, it says how often they rebelled against him in the desert and grieved him, speaking of God, grieved him in the wasteland. Isaiah 63 10, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Lamentations 333, speaking of God, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to the children of men. And in Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So we see this emotional language used of God, even though we can't draw an exact parallel. But it begs the question, did God regret creating us? Some people use this passage and others to show that God is not omniscient, that God doesn't know everything, and he can thus make mistakes. But if we consider these other passages of Scripture, it can't possibly mean that. First Samuel 15, 29 says, He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, I, the Lord, do not change. In James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So the idea in this Genesis passage we read just a moment ago is that God was expressing sorrow for what the people had done to themselves. As a parent might express sorrow over a rebellious child, God was sorry that the people chose sin and death, instead of choosing a relationship with him. But when we read these other passages, where it describes God's grief and his pain at our sinful choices, I think that helps us relate a little bit to this truth in the momism that we just looked at a moment ago. This hurts me more than it hurts you. One way our sin hurts God more than it hurts us is seen here in what our sin cost him. Think of that. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. In Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we can see how it might have hurt God more than it hurt us. Our sin, our rebellion, Amen. The reality is that as sinful human beings, we have no light of our own. We can only reflect the light of God. We're moons. We're moons. We're not like the sun. We're moons. We reflect the light of the sun, and mothers can reflect the light of God, just like we all can in our various stations in life. After all, it seems in many of these things, that we looked at, seems like mom was right, huh? So this morning, let's be grateful that God has given us mothers, mothers who can reflect the wisdom of God, even in some of these momisms that we read here this morning, mothers who can reflect God's compassion in their compassion, and mothers who shine the light of God's love in little ways and in big ways. Amen? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, which Shows us clearly the wisdom in some of these sayings, some of these phrases, these momisms we looked at this morning. And while some of them are funny, Lord, and we can laugh at them, we also see that there is wisdom and truth, and we recognize that these things reflect the wisdom and truth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for our moms. We pray that you'd bless them today. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we would be a blessing to them today. In Jesus' name, amen.